This is exactly right. My favorite murder. The mini-sode. That's right. We read you your stories and maybe you listen to them. That'd be cool. You should. You're here. <laughs> well, <laughs> just just listen. <laughs> should I go first this time? Mm-hmm. Okay. How about some spooky Halloween ghost stories? Yes. Hello. Here's a series of spooky Halloween ghost stories. And they do the <laughs> O, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase O. For, yes. You know, I'll tell you now. Up until I was like seven, I saw ghosts and stuff. This is a fairly normal timeline of kids and supernatural things, I guess. I eventually got super scared of it and therefore stopped seeing paranormal things. Here are a few of my favorite stories of me being a totally freaky child and telling others I see dead people. Wow. My mom's friend, Adam, died in a motorcycle accident before my brother and I were born. My family was having dinner with Adam's parents. I was two or three at the time, so tiny baby. Adam's dad starts crying and says, I wish Adam were here. He would have loved to meet you kids. I do not skip a beat and say, what do you mean? He's standing right behind you. Here's another one. I'm like two or three years old and we were visiting my great grandmother who I called Bopshi. It's Polish for grandma in hospice. She used to give us some money, send us to the toy store to get something and have us come back to show her what we got every time we visited. So we go to visit her and I curl up in bed with her and sing to her the only song I knew. Proud to be an American. (laughs) (laughs) Like a three-year-old singing that. My parents, brother, and I then get into the car to go to Toys R Us and get a toy like Bob She told us to. Little BB Me says, I just sang Bob She to heaven. Oh, My family thinks nothing of this. I'm the youngest and a literal baby. We do our shopping at the toy store and my brother and I each pick something out. We then head back to Bob She at hospice. When we got there, the staff informed my parents that Bob She had just passed a little after we left. I indeed had sang her to heaven. And knew it. And knew it. Oh, what a nice way to die to have your little granddaughter singing a song to you. And an American song. Proud to be an American up to a (laughs) Polish grandma. (laughs) <laughs> she had no idea what that child was saying. Right. After this, I inherited Bob She's super fancy self-made dollhouse that sat on my shelf in my room for years. By age six, I firmly believed that Bob She was stuck inside for a while. And that's when I started getting scared. Yeah. After this came the things that really scared me and I never saw anything again. My parents told me to tell the spirits, you're scaring me, go away. And I guess it worked. I stopped seeing things. All these slightly creepy, somewhat heartfelt stories to say, I definitely believe there is something after death. All the love, Kayla. Ooh, good email, Kayla. I mean, that's just fascinating. Like, you are living proof that there's potentially something else yeah. going on. That's such an exciting There's feeling. so many of those stories in the world. Like, it, ha- there has to be some kind of credence to them. Yeah, I think so. And while we're talking about it, you should definitely listen to Ghosted by Roz Hernandez on the Exactly Right Podcast Network. That's right. So my first email, I'm not going to read you the subject line. It just starts out, hey, it's me again. 
<laughs> Third time writer, <laughs> hoping this story is up to par. Oh, by the way, if you've written and written, please don't take it personally. Our Gmail is jam packed. Alejandra, our producer who is here with us right now, does such an amazing job, but it takes a lot to go through these emails yeah. and organize them. And so anyway, please keep submitting. If you know your story's good, then your story's good. Yeah. Okay. Still love you all the same as the day this podcast dropped. Are they saying they're a day one listener? Aw. So this is a tad long, so let's get into it. When I was just a wee thing in my early 20s, I decided to take a solo trip from my Wisconsin college to Copenhagen, Denmark. The overall goal was to visit one of my greatest friends who was an exchange student at my high school. Shout out. Caroline. Everything started off grand with free upgraded plane seats, an amazing walk to see the Little Mermaid statue, and stumbling into a plaza that turned out to be the Queen's Castle. Craziest part was I saw the Queen herself leave the castle in a motorcade because it was a national holiday. I was off to a great start, but something told me it was a little too great. Mm -hmm. A few days later, I went to a museum. One exhibit in the museum held the crown jewels. Yes, the crown of the queen I just saw days earlier. The room that held these jewels was a descending spiral ramp to a small room at the bottom. As I approached the bottom, I passed a cute baby and its mother, said hi, and approached the case that held the crowns. Almost immediately, that baby I passed started crying. I do not know if it was the acoustics in the room, but all caps, that baby was loud. <laughs> so loud, the burglar alarms were set off. <gasps> to make things even more exciting, they were set off as I was one of two people in the room with oh. one of the country's most prized possessions. Guards came rushing in and instructed us to take a seat on the floor as they ensured all items were in their place. As any young 20-year-old with anxiety would do, I started rehearsing my one telephone call to my parents, explaining to them that I am not a master jewel thief, all the while giving some casual side-eye to a baby. Obviously, all was in its place and everyone was free to go on about their day. I was forced to take one last stroll past the infant that almost sent me to a Danish prison. <laughs> Let's not be dramatic. <laughs> Exited the museum and enjoyed some pastries in the park to calm my nerves. Actually, though, all that love to the mother and child who both must have been just as embarrassed as I was feeling. <laughs> what if that baby was so embarrassed? Oh, my God. It's mortified. Like, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> All in all, the trip to Denmark was amazing, and I recommend it to everyone. It's such an underrated country filled with amazing people and culture. Stay sexy and don't have a face that makes babies cry, I guess. <laughs> Quentin, he, him. <laughs> oh, my God. That was great. And now we need vacation disaster stories. Yes. Quentin gave us the idea. Good idea. And you know we're going to get so many fucking cruise stories. Oh, yeah. I want disaster stories of trips. I think Quentin's burglar alarm near the Danish crown jewels is a perfect example. Do Definitely. anything around that area, that embarrassing, yeah. that large scale. We love it. Send them to my favorite murder at Gmail. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. 
days. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80. Goodbye. Okay, here's a question for you. What do ice, cat litter, and laundry detergent all have in common? If you said they're heavy AF, you're right. Or if you said you don't know you're out of them until it's too late, you're also correct. Most importantly, these items can all be ordered directly to your house with DoorDash. At this point, we all know and love that DoorDash can deliver our go-to comfort meals from our favorite restaurants. But did you know that you can also order household cleaning essentials and even over-the-counter pharmaceutical products through DoorDash? That's right. DoorDash is here to help you in a pinch. Like the 30 minutes before you host a party when you look around and feel like you're missing something, quickly get extra decorations, scented candles, or beer and wine delivered right to your door. Or the day after the party when you realize you don't have enough garbage bags, wet wipes, or ibuprofen to make it through cleanup. DoorDash has you covered. DoorDash is perfect for my parties because every single time we don't get enough ice. Everyone always needs ice and they forget it. And running to the store when your party's about to start or when it's already started or in the middle of it is a nightmare. So having DoorDash drop off some ice or party supplies or whatever you need is so awesome. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, alcohol available only in select markets. Goodbye. Here's New Orleans Hidden Remains. Hey, y'all. In 2018, I was dabbling in the dating world and met a super hot, exceptionally tall, and it says this is relevant later, rock climber while visiting a friend in Atlanta. The only problem, he lived in Georgia while I was living in New Orleans. We hit it off so well that after I returned to New Orleans, we continued talking and he asked if he could visit me for a weekend. It's like a seven hour drive. I said yes and excitedly made plans to show him what New Orleans and I had to offer. (laughs) He arrived and I gave him a quick tour of my, it was an aside, so that's how I imagine it. And I, you know. And I. And I, maybe? He arrived and I gave him a quick tour of my rental place, which was a slightly renovated portion of the ground level floor in a quintessential giant old New Orleans house. Mm. Cool does that sound? My landlady was lovely but eccentric and lived upstairs where she primarily hung out with her cocker spaniel, Ike, and drank rum and diet Cokes. Yes. Oh, my God. That's the life. I love her. And her name was Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> oh, my God. And Ike. 
hot rock climber guy and I were suddenly awkward around each other when he arrived and we sort of made small talk and stood around the kitchen. Oh God, that's the worst. When you're like, I'm so excited. Are we going to hit it off again? We had such a great time. And then they get there and the magic isn't fucking there anymore. It's too much energy. Yeah. And then everybody pulls way back. And right. then you're in a weird, like you're almost pretending you don't like each other because you went too far in the other direction. Right. And the expectations are so fucking high that no one can live up to them. And there's no worse feeling than when someone's like, I think you like me more than I like you. So like, I think everyone operates in the, oh my God, if that's what you're about to accuse me of, like, I can't live in that world. Yeah. To the detriment of their relationships. Mr. Clymer ended up glancing (laughs) at my refrigerator and spotting something unusual in the wall behind it. He was tall, so he could see over the top of the fridge. Wow. He asked jokingly, do you have a secret compartment in your wall back there? I told him I had no idea what he was talking about. I ended up climbing onto his shoulders. Yes, hot. Sounds like a good icebreaker. Yeah. (laughs) So I could peer farther over the refrigerator. Can you imagine it being awkward already? And I'm like, I'm not going to get a chair. I'm going to climb onto you, Mr. Rock Climber. How did they bridge that gap of like kind of stammering and bad conversation? And then it's like... He did he go down on one knee is like, get up here, girl, you know, we've got to do this together. I'm going to go ahead and guess alcohol was involved. That's how oh. they bridged that gap. Yeah, right. it was just like 45 minutes passed and they had three cores lights. Okay. <laughs> da, 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 da. I could peer farther over the refrigerator when I saw a small alcove in the wall. In this small cubby, there was dot, dot, dot. Well, it looked like a shrine with an ornate box nestled in the center. I tentatively pulled it out and me and my new date stared at it. I opened the lid slowly and saw on the inside the engraving, quote, in loving memory of our mother. And there in the red velvety interior of this box was a white powdery substance in a baggie. And I was pretty sure it wasn't cocaine. No. It was somebody's ashes. Initially, my landlady, who was just as mystified as I was, she came to own the old house through her husband's side of the family. But after she did some digging and inquiring, she told me that it was her late husband's aunt, or was it great aunt, and that, quote, we just forgot she was there. But don't worry, she'd be a good spirit if she decided to stay around and haunt the apartment. (laughs) Excuse me. No. But don't worry, we're not going to do anything about it. Right. Leave our aunt alone. She's chill. So if she's there, she's like not a dick, you know, ghost. She's like a chill, cool ghost. Just live with the ghost of our aunt, please. (laughs) My landlady took possession of the ashes and she made sure to tell me that this wasn't a whole body's worth of ashes, rather only a portion and the rest had been divided up among family members, most likely. So calm the fuck down. Worse. Worse news. This ghost is like, where's the rest of my body? That's why she's coming to haunt. That's terrifying. I couldn't help but shake the feeling that I hadn't truly been alone in that little apartment. Yeah. And sadly, Mr. Clymer called it off after that. He blamed it on the distance, but it could have been that our first official date involved finding human remains hidden in my apartment. <laughs> finding hidden remains while you're on his shoulders like you're at a Van Halen concert. Right. Like, like there's nothing normal about this date. Yeah, but I feel like for some of us, and I think a lot of murderinos will agree, that that would bond you. And for the rest of the weekend, you'd be like, 
we fucking treasure hunted and found this insane thing that's we can just talk about it all weekend and it's kind of romantic yeah but it sounds like rock climber was like no bonding for me it doesn't matter how incredible the experience is that we have he sounds like a normie and so maybe bye climb your rocks then friend go fucking climb a rock stay sexy and double check your apartment for weird shit before your date gets there Therese. Therese, that was an epic email because the details were also the story. Yeah. And that's my favorite. I wish I could watch a 15 second high eight film of you climbing on this guy's shoulders. <laughs> I think that piece is, yeah, it's a big is one. what I'm in it for. Yeah. Okay. The subject line of this email is my husband's avalanche survival story. Oh my God. And then the first line just says, my people, it's really you. Since you've featured so many natural disasters as MFM topics and Karen can't get enough of survival stories, allow me to introduce you to my husband, Paul. In short, he's the bane of a lazy, relaxed weekend with brunch, a nice book and nothing productive happening. He's a professionally trained mountain guide, rock and ice climbing instructor, backcountry skier, Arctic survival expert, trail runner, backpacker and all around nature boy. Is he the fucking rock climber that's what i'm saying what if paul (gasps) went on to meet this person and have this life yeah that'd be amazing yeah this whole podcast turns into just a chronology of paul's life (laughs) (laughs) he's involved in every email we've ever read he's our forest six degrees (laughs) of paul (laughs) okay I like the sound of Paul already, though. I like when people live their life to the literal and utmost fullest in the exact opposite of how I am. It makes me happy. Oh, the next line is he has absolutely zero chill. There are all aspects of his career as a master mountaineer where he can do things like coordinate mountain rescues and train members of the military. And while I agree that people have no business in the forest, if you have Paul, you'll be totally fine. Mm -hmm. An important part of Paul's job is avalanche risk assessment. You need to be able to move safely in a high altitude mountain environment without triggering an avalanche by considering things like the snowpack, what phase of the mountain you're on, and weather patterns. It's a science that takes hundreds of hours of training to learn. And for our non-mountain living listeners, here's the gist on avalanches. An unstable mass of snow that breaks away from a slope due to added weight or vibrations and picks up speed as it moves downhill, producing a river of snow and a cloud of icy particles that rises high in the air. The moving mass picks up even more snow as it surges downhill, and according to Nat Geo, a large, fully developed avalanche can weigh as much as a million tons and travel faster than 200 miles an hour. Fuck. That's insane. Yeah. So Paul goes out often with other instructors on weekends to scope out new training areas for the courses he manages and uses this knowledge to navigate. This involves backcountry skiing, where you essentially hike and cross-country ski for hours up a mountain and then ski down it after. And then in parentheses, it says, yeah, that's a hard pass for me also. This spring, (laughs) he was just starting his initial ski descent down one of these climbs when a large flat rock concealed by the snow caused his ski to slip and ultimately detach from his boot. His subsequent and uncontrollable fall triggered an avalanche. 
He was swept up by it entirely until he couldn't see, feel, or hear anything. He almost got buried underneath it, which would have been absolutely fatal, but the avalanche ended up throwing him off a cliff where he landed on a different part of snow-packed mountain to continue his descent, but unburied. His ski partner watched everything happen in seconds from just a few feet above him and didn't think his friend survived flying head over foot down the slope and off a cliff until he got a call on his walkie-talkie about five minutes later saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, but I'm definitely a little fucked up. (laughs) Oh my God. That's horrifying. His ski partner, a professional medic, made the incredibly dangerous 2,200-foot trek down on foot for almost two hours, painstakingly avoiding triggering a second avalanche due to all the newly loosened snow and began treating and assessing Paul's wounds, bleeding from a laceration across his knee and only having a single broken rib. Paul was in shock, but alert and talking, never having lost consciousness, despite his helmet having a life-saving sized crack across it. Paul was airlifted by search and rescue to the nearest hospital where he stayed for two weeks to treat severe internal trauma and extensive internal bleeding. Oh, man. So it's like he was okay on the outside, but it was the inside. Wow. He sustained no head, neck or spinal injuries and nobody from the flight team, the many surgeons, the nurses or the caseworkers could believe that Paul literally walked away from his accident. Mm -hmm. He chalks it up to the cardinal rules of being outside. Oh, I would love to hear these. Let's find out. Can we please? Maybe I'll go outside once I know this. Yeah, maybe it won't seem so scary to me. Here's the cardinal rules of being outside. Being prepared and never being alone. Ah. I could do Uh that. The amount of equipment that he and his medic had on hand, in addition to satellite radios to call in for help, saved both their lives. I would argue that a lifetime of training doesn't hurt, and he will also concede that he's just one lucky son of a bitch. So far in the 2022-23 season, 25 people have died in avalanches across the U.S. Holy shit, that's a lot. Yeah, I didn't realize that number was like that. But my nature boy was not one of them. We joke now that we are a knitting family and that Paul can never leave the house again. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Stay sexy and just wear a helmet everywhere all the time. (laughs) Andrea, she, her. (laughs) See, when I hear stories like this, it makes me feel less bad about the fact that I'm a, I'll stay in the lodge and watch everyone's purse and have a hot toddy and read a book. Ski, skiing girl. You know what I mean? I think it truly is for adventurers and the idea that everyone is supposed to feel like, oh, I should ski or I should whatever. It's like, I remember the first time I was made to ski as an adult and I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't think it's for me. I don't like it. And it was a disaster. Yeah. I think you have to start young. That's a big piece of it. I did it as a kid. My dad, you know, always trying to find something to do with us every other weekend would take us skiing I was still a couch potato. I wanted a cat and a couch and a TV. There's nothing better than being inside when it's cold outside. That's like, that's success for human beings. Yeah, that's right. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like 
perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's It's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill. If you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom, it's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Okay, here's my last one. Dad did what? Is the title. I've sent this before, but let's give it another go. (laughs) Last year, my sister who lives with my parents was hanging out at my apartment. I got a call from my dad, put it on speaker. And as I started to say hello, he yelled, all caps, what is this? What is this on Nico's leash? I said, what? You mean the poop bags? What's going on? He hung up. 20 minutes later, I got a calmer explanation phone call. You see, I have a dog, Nico, who often stays at my parents while I work. So he has a leash at their house. My parents were about to take their dog on a walk. My mom was getting ready. My dad was grabbing their dog's leash. So my mom shouted across the house for him to grab some poop bags off of Nico's leash. He did the typical man look and couldn't see what was right in front of him. So he yelled for my mom to help him. In a perfect storm of timing, just as she started to walk in, he said, oh, this and pushed down on the red button what my dad would later call a little black poop bag dispenser as he turned toward her. Mm -mm. The problem is he hadn't grabbed Nico's leash. He had grabbed my sister's keychain, and it wasn't a poop bag dispenser. Say it with me. It It was was pepper pepper spray. spray. That's right. As my mother walked in to help, my dad sprayed her right (laughs) in the face with pepper spray. Oh, that's horrible. He sprayed her, I know. They didn't end up going on their walk. (laughs) To this day, he still claims that it is somehow mine and my sister's fault. Sure. That's that's the way to be about it. Mm -hmm. Thanks for existing. Love, Ty, she, her. (laughs) Oh, that is truly awful. Yeah, that's their fault. I love that. That's such a dad. Well, you shouldn't have put the thing in the You shouldn't have done anything. Right. Okay, here's my last one. I'm not going to read you the subject line. It just says, hi, friends. Since it's currently late summer and the season for county fairs, I wanted to send in this celebrity story from my childhood. Hmm. I grew up in the Hudson Valley of New York State. My hometown is almost two hours away from NYC by train, but many city dwellers and others living in the tri-state area are known to travel the distance in order to visit our county fair. It's not as large as the state fair, but it's still a pretty sizable event with all the rides, games, and food that we know and love. My family would visit 
the fair every year as I was growing up. And even though I was an anxious child who avoided every ride at all costs, I still loved playing carnival games with my mom. One of our favorites was the water gun game. Yes, that was absolutely my favorite. You know, the one where you have to aim a giant water gun at a target in the hopes of reaching the finish line before everyone you're playing against. My favorite one was the one that the it was a water gun that filled up a balloon. Right, like in a clown's mouth or whatever. Yes. And then, yeah, totally. Never about. So good. So one year in the early 2000s, when I was probably around 10 years old, my mom and I were at the fair and ready to kick some ass at this game. When we got to the stall, no one was around. So the game operator told us that we needed to wait for more people to play against. Now, I really wanted to play the water gun game. So as shy as I was, I looked into the crowd and tried to find some worthy opponents. There was a dad and his son walking by, which seemed almost too coincidental. The carnival worker tried to coax them into playing with us, and my shy self did the best I could to try to convince them to play without speaking at all. (laughs) Mind meld. Uh, It says in parentheses, aka I smiled as big as I could and tried to look cute for the boy who was close to my age. I'm not sure if the boy fell for my prepubescent charms or not, but the father and son duo walked over to challenge us. It was around this time that I realized that my mom was being suspiciously quiet. Now, my mom isn't the most extroverted person by any means, but she does love to gamble and normally would have tried to convince any random passerby to play against us. When the game operator said that he was ready to start the game, I brushed the thought away and focused on my target. Despite my determination, though, the dad won the game and let his son pick a prize. I thought my mom and I would stay to play a few more rounds, but she quickly got up and told me to follow her. I looked over to the dad who waved and smiled at me sheepishly as if to say he was sorry. And we walked away to find my own dad. When we found him, he asked how the game went. My mom had an obvious frustration in her voice as she said something like, well, if it wasn't obvious before, it's obvious now that those games are rigged. That Carney let the other guy win just because he's James Gandolfini. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, folks. My mom and I played a water gun game against Tony Soprano, and my mother was completely convinced that she would have won against him if it weren't for the quote unquote rigged game. Oh my (laughs) fucking God. I was not expecting that. And also, that isn't what happened. No, no. (laughs) I I forgot the title of this because I, (laughs) my brain. And so I was like, what is her ex boyfriend or something? It was James Gandolfini. That's hilarious. James Gandolfini. Stay sexy and maybe don't get angry if television's most notorious mobster beats you at a game that involves a gun, fake or not, Megan. Right. right. Totally. Okay. So there's a PS to that. But first, I just want to say, because it'll it's almost like a subject change. Mm-hmm. I bet you that is such a treasured memory now because James Gandolfini dying so young and so out of the blue and at the like height of his career mm-hmm. is still to me one of the saddest things that's ever happened. Like with someone who delivered that level of, of a performance where mm-hmm. everyone just will say that's the best show of yeah. all time forever. And it's because of him. Yeah. And then he is just dead. And it's like, you got to have a yeah. real life moment with him. I wonder if his son would remember that. Oh, Here's the back half of that. It says, P.S. In episode 382, during Karen's story about the boy Edward Jones, you asked fashion historians to let you know what Queen Victoria's underwear would have looked like. Remember that? (laughs) I happen to be a fashion historian. And since no one has answered your question yet that I know of, I figured I would add here as a postscript in the hopes of not making my email too long. 
Underwear at the beginning of Victoria's reign actually consisted of several garments, including a chemise, which is an undershirt or an underdress, drawers, which are basically like shorts, but the middle was left open, making it easier to use the bathroom, a corset, sometimes called stays at the time, and layers and layers of petticoats. Let me know if you have any more fashion history <laughs> questions. Wow. Queen Victoria had literally seven layers of clothes on oh, under a dress how did you pee Jesus. how did you pee just just once in a while yeah you're like so dehydrated because you don't want to have to keep going to the bathroom <laughs> well thanks guys for writing in please do so anytime you feel like it you know yeah and if you're in the fan cult you can watch us read this which is probably one of the most fascinating things of all time definitely here's mimi just to show you how mimi's a guest star she's a drop-in guest star That's right She's bit me multiple times during this <laughs> recording, so you can check that out. We love Vivi. <laughs> did you have? Did you hear about my idea for a, a TikTok series you could do called Mimi Says No, and you just hold her up to different things, and you get the expression on her face of Mimi saying no? That's a great idea. She is very, very much a no cat. For she sure. can't do improv. Uh, <laughs> okay, stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Alejandra Keck. Our editor is Aristotle Acevedo. This episode was mixed by Liana Squalacci. Email your hometowns to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and on Twitter at myfavemurder. Goodbye. Follow My Favorite Murder on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase My Favorite Murder merch.